Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Morgan, the official captain of Against All Odds. We're raising our glasses of Captain Morgan and Ginger to all you captains out there. Whether you're a tugboat captain, captain of your intramural dodgeball team, or just live to have fun, you're all captains in our book. And no matter how you choose to live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders and... We're also brought to you by SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, all you have to do is use promo code ODDS. O-D-D-S. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, the number one sports gambling podcast in all the land. Now, that was 2018. Who knows 2019? So maybe someone will knock us off the top. I doubt it, though, because I'm here with the best, the best, the CEO of the podcast, from one shining podcast, GM Street, Master Tate Frazier. What's happening, Tate? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's happy uh, to be in 2019 with you guys to keep this thing rolling. I, I wish that you were all here in Los Angeles with me. It's very lonely to be here by myself, but I'm happy to have you on the line. I know. I'm sorry. We're happy to have you. I mean, the fact that you're sober enough on January 2nd to uh, talk on a podcast, to speak, well, it <laughs> remains to be seen, but it's actually, we're off to a good start, I think. Also on the line, as always, my gurus of gambling, my barons of betting, my wizards of wagering, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, Harry, Brother Bry, and Darren, the parlay kid. What's happening, fellas? Happy New Year, Sal. Hey, Sal. What's going on, buddy? Well, you know, I'm doing this from Maui. Um, we have to leave for the airport in a little more than an hour. My wife is delighted. I did this podcast. I did the podcast with Simmons Sunday night. I did Lock It In from some remote. It wasn't even a studio. It was like in a strip mall. Um, about. 30 minutes from my hotel. I had like three Samoan guys putting a mic on me and working a camera, but we got it all done. We have an hour here. We're going to talk. We're going to handicap the big four NFL games. We're going to go over our NFL props, ones we gave out in August, late August, early September, take a ride on the Captain Morgan Riverboat Casino. We're going to talk Alabama Clemson, and then these guys are going to give their best bets. Now, Parley Kid, let's start off. Seattle, Dallas, we'll jump around. This is not uh, the order in which these games are going to be played. Our Cowboys made the playoffs, Parlay Kid. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how they did it. It wasn't looking good. It wasn't looking good for a lot of these teams. I'll say this about the four matchups. It does seem, correct me if I'm wrong, that the more established, at least the more accomplished quarterbacks are all playing from the road. Isn't that right, Parlay Kid? That's exactly right, Alan. Our uh, Dak Prescott uh really, uh, in this case, is probably... And so I, before I get to that, one point I want to make, I know you did not like Prescott playing as much as he did the other day, but I kind of disagree yeah. with you. I think it was just because he isn't that established quarterback yet, I think it was important for him to play last week, mm. and now he has a really good feeling coming into the playoffs. Now. So I think I because that. of that, let's, then like you said, all the better quarterbacks right now really are probably the ones that are traveling, which which is really what makes these games so interesting, why there's really no clear-cut favorite this weekend. It's funny. I mean, you're right. I see that. But it didn't. It, it only worked out that way, I think, it, by coincidence, because he didn't have his left tackle playing. He didn't have Zeke Elliott playing. I, he could have easily failed, but it might not matter. I don't know about momentum. I don't know if it matters. Look at Nick Foles. What he did, what was was against the Cowboys, week seventeen, he put up a goose egg, and I think they took him out 
uh, in the first half. Isn't that right? And then he went on to win the Super Bowl. So this is true. The momentum is weird. Seattle beat Dallas 24-13 in week three. I'm going to go over some of the stats. They won six of the last seven, tied for best record in the league since week 11. They finished with a plus 15 turnover differential, best in the league, which scares me a little. Number one rushing offense. You would think we'd have the rush advantage, the Cowboys. I say we. Zeke uh, Zeke Elliott, but uh, the Seahawks averaged 160 rushing yards per game. Uh, I'll say this. It's a weird thing because Wilson in road playoff games, two and three, nine touchdowns, six interceptions. But we we have to shake that whole thing with the uh, primetime game. He doesn't lose in primetime. Um, Baldwin, five touchdowns the last six games. And on to Dallas, seven and two since Amari Cooper came over. But I think he's been held on th- 35 yards or under in the last three games. Parley, how, how do you see this shaping up? So this is, uh, you know, everybody's talked about how much Seattle has kind of evolved this year, and they have. They've really... Uh, changed some of the dynamics to their team. They've become like a really run-first type of team, but Wilson still completes so many big passes during a game. Uh, Probably the maybe the premier deep ball thrower in the league. Uh, But Mm -hmm. realistically speaking, I feel like the Cowboys have evolved just as much. So you got two teams have kind of evolved this season as the season has worn on, and they've actually have gotten both teams have obviously uh, much improved since the beginning of the year. I think they're both very similar. I think if you look at the defensive side of the ball, the Cowboys want to have a slight edge here on defense. Uh, well, on offense, I think they're very, very similar type of teams. Run first, pass second, quarterbacks that move around very well in the pocket, throw well on the run. Uh, so really, I think so in this case, and I'm not being a homer here because you know I'm very pessimistic normally about the Cowboys, but I think in this case, the home field is going to make the difference. I think the Cowboys here giving a point to Seattle. I think they cover that spread. I think they're going to win. This is going to be close, but I can really foresee a, a 27-24 type of final score here. Cowboys pull out the victory. I think they have a slight edge in their kicking game. I, if I'm Seattle, I don't trust Janikowski in these situations. Uh, let's take yeah. the Cowboys here by uh, a slim margin, but I think they cover the one point. So it's funny. You said 27-24. I think I said 23-20 on locking in. I, I think it's going to be higher now. I think maybe because I don't want to pick a side here. I'm, I'm a little nervous. Dallas, I should have mentioned, the spread is one. They're laying one. 44 is the over on there. I'm going to say 27-23. I'm going over the total. I think uh, Dak and the Cowboys score. They get out early, head out to an le- early lead. And then uh, Wilson works his magic, whether or not he can pull off some fourth quarter heroics. Remains to be seen, but I would go over in this game. I don't like, uh, I don't like, you know, since week 14, number 26 in scoring defense for the Cowboys and 29 in total defense, which scares me. Leighton Van Der Esch, he should be okay. We definitely need him to play well, but I would go over 27 23 would be my final. All right. Uh, Harry, Indianapolis at Houston. That's the first game Saturday. Uh, you know, a lot of these games started at three. The home favorite was favored by three, except for Philly, Chicago. But home favorite was favored by three. Uh, and uh, that those numbers are gone. They're down to one, one and a half, two, two and a half, somewhere around there. Houston favored by one and a half. The over-under is 47. Harry, everybody believes in Andrew Luck. I was one of those people. But I'm feeling no one's giving Houston a chance in here. They, they won the division. They've won the division four to the last five years, I believe. What do you think of this game? Yeah, you're sort of right. I mean, they're, they're always uh, they're always getting that uh, they're making the playoffs every year. It seems like you know, and playing that early game on uh, 
on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hear you, but I'm taking, you know, I know they split the season. Uh, each team won on each other's uh, uh, opposing side. I, I'm going to go with the over 47 in this game. Uh, both teams in both matchups scored a total of 58 points against each other, uh, a total for the game. Andrew Luck in both games combined versus Houston had an astounding 863 yards passing. That's ridiculous. Ty Hilton had 314 of those yards receiving. Uh, Deshaun Watson put up some crazy passing numbers in those games also as he went for 642 yards versus Indy in both games. Uh, Since week four, the Colts scored 23 or more points every week, but uh, except for one, while averaging 29 points a game during this run of games. And that has to do with an excellent offensive line that has kept luck from barely getting touched in those games. Uh, in the Texans' last nine games, they have averaged 28 points a game. Usually, like I said, the Texans get the, the boring, least attractive early Saturday playoff game with no stars, but this is not the case uh, this year. In fact, not only is this game going to go over 47, I'm going to say it's the highest-scoring game of the entire weekend. Wow. All right. Over 47. Do you see it in the, in the high 50s then probably somewhere in there? Uh, I, I misspoke earlier. Houston's won three of the last four. Um, what, three of the last? They've won the, the division three of the last four years, I believe. Um, Luck, three and three record in playoffs, nine touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Yeah, like you said, Harry, they've allowed the fewest sacks, 18 this season. But the third team since 1970 merger to begin one and five and make the playoffs. They're really – Feel good story, kind of the league. Um, Luck's probably not going to win player, uh, comeback player of the year. I think it'll be JJ Watt. But, uh, and like you said, the number one scoring defense, 16 points per game. Darius Leonard led the league in tackles with a hundred. That's a heck of a, that's what you just said, too. That'll be a heck of a matchup to see if, uh, if Watt can get to him. Yeah. And also, Watson sacked 62 times this season, most by any quarterback in the season. Um, yeah, it's uh, the numbers all add up. They went from 30th in the league. In the end defense to 10th. So that's huge. I don't want to, but everyone's still on Andrew Luck. No one's given this Houston team a chance. For that reason, I'm taking Indy over 23 and a half team points. Um, they both matchups, they scored 24, and I think they were in the 30s in the first matchup. So I think that's going to be, I think, going to cause some turnovers. Maybe, maybe Houston comes back to win, but I don't want to have to worry about that. I think Indy scores 27, 30, and I think you're right, Harry. It's going to be a high scoring affair. All right, brother Bry. Moving on to Sunday, Philly at Chicago. Um, this is the only game that's not a rematch this year. In fact, in 2017, Philly won. They beat Trubisky. Uh, do you remember this game, Tate? Hurts. They beat him bad, 31-3, right? Yes, yes, it was a blowout. Um, so a lot of people were playing to that Chicago, game. Chicago, minus six. 41 is the over-under. Uh, I don't know what to say about this. Philly has been dynamite. They are a scary team. They may be the scariest of anybody. Did they win... Uh, they won five of their last six games. They're tied for the best record since week 12. Their offense averages 29 points per game in the last three weeks. Foles, this is crazy. Highest passer rating in the playoffs, 113.2. Maybe you don't love passer rating stat, but in the, in the modern era of 100-plus uh, attempts, that is the highest of all time. And then their defense, underrated, led the league with 133 quarterback hits this season. Uh, Michael Bennett, Fletcher Cox, all ranked, both ranked in the top five. Meanwhile, Chicago, first playoff appearance since 2010. That's the last time, uh, also last season, they won a playoff game. Seven and one at home, where they have a point plus 85 point differential. 
Brian, how do you see this working out? The line is Chicago six over under 41. Yeah, the line is high at six. I mean, most things would probably say play the Bears. Uh, they're twelve and four against the spread this year. Uh, they've been playing well, but I do I, I couldn't trust Trubisky in this game. So I'm looking kind of at the over here. Uh, for as good as the Bears D has been, the total seems a little bit low to me. I feel like Philly's going to try to come out aggressive, get Trubisky playing from behind. I don't know. It just 41. I think Philly's probably going to get to 20 or 17 points. I think Chicago's going to also score, you know, 24, 27 points. I mean, if you're a little, if you're a little worried about the over 41, you might want to look at the bears over. I think it's 23 and a half. Uh, but I just, at this point in time, it's just way too risky for the spread for me. I don't really trust Philly's defense either. I think, what could happen is, you know, maybe Chicago's D forces a bad field position or a good field position for their offense uh, leads to some uh, extra scoring. But uh, I would probably lean the over here, 41. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I'm, it's not very satisfying, my picks. I'm not, I'm not really taking a side, I don't think, in any of these. Uh, the Bears are weird. They've scored fewer than 25 points in four straight games, and they're 8-1 and one when scoring fewer than 25 points. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, they led the league in scoring defense and takeaways uh, for the first time since 1985 when they won the championship. We all know Khalil Mack's great, Roquan Smith, 122 tackles. I go under. I think I'm, I think I'm seeing 17, 13. I don't see a lot of scoring, maybe 20 to 13. I don't want to have to worry about Nick Foles covering. I do like the Bears to win, but um, I'm going to go 17, 13, 20 to 13 right in there, under 41. Tate, how do you see this shaking out? Uh, I think I'm on your side with that, Sal. I do think the Bears are actually going to win this game despite all the hype for the Eagles. I don't I don't foresee them being able to pull off uh, the rabbit out of a hat again with Nick Foles, but obviously me saying that means it'll probably happen. So, And then you'd go to the Rams, right? Yes. Is that what it would be? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm almost, uh, for you or Bears fans or Trubisky fans, almost less worried about going to the Rams Sounds weird than this Nick Foles-led Eagles team, which I, I I can't put my finger on. All right, Parley Kid, back to you. Last game, Chargers at the Ravens. Uh, the start at a three. It's two and a half now, 41 and a half. Another one in which the home quarterback is not getting a lot of respect. So, uh, okay, so a rookie quarterback, 21 years old, obviously Lamar Jackson going up against 37-year-old Phillip Rivers. Since 1990, rookie quarterbacks, one and four in the playoff games when facing a quarterback with 10 plus years of experience. Uh, the only rookie quarterback to win, current Ravens backup, Joe Flacco. Parley Kid, how do you see this? That's a great stat, Sal. Um, yeah. Well, I, I do think, Sal, and we've said this often, uh, maybe not on the show, but just talking personally, I think it is very, very difficult to beat a good team like the Chargers twice in one season, especially when the games are being played so close together. Um, so I also think in this case, too, let's face it, Lamar Jackson, i got to give the Ravens so much credit for what they've done with this kid. Uh, I wasn't much of a believer. I didn't know if he was ready or not. But they're letting him do what he does best. He's completing some big passes, but he's really beating teams with his legs. And I think the Chargers are going to – they're not going to let him beat him with his legs. They're going to make him throw the ball. And let's, if it comes down to a throwing competition between Phil Rivers and Jackson, I got to take old man Rivers here, Sal. Uh, is this his last chance? I'm not so sure, but this might be his best chance to have a deep playoff run. 
I think Phil Rivers is going to play some great football. And the fact that the Chargers are getting points coming off a, a 12-win season, uh, I got I to gotta take the Chargers here getting those two-and-a-half points out. Yeah, I think the Chargers, I, like I think that. they win outright. So I think they win this game outright, to be honest with you. I think they're better. I think all those things you said are correct. The, you have the revenge factor. It was a little bit of a letdown a couple Saturday nights ago. Um, now you got Melvin Gordon as healthy as he's been. I think you're going to have a different kind of Chargers team here. I like them in a teaser, though. I like them getting eight and a half, and I like the over 35 and a half. If you do a two point, uh, two team six point teaser. But the Ravens do scare me a little. They're 10 and five in playoff games under Harbaugh. They've outrushed their opponents. It's a weird thing because they're not doing it through the air at all. Fewer than 205 passing yards in every game that uh, Jackson started. But they've outrushed opponents 1607 to 429 in the last uh, six weeks. And their defense is dynamite. Number one yards per game, number two points per game. But uh, And Rivers not putting his best foot forward in this last month. Multiple interceptions in three straight games. But I'm, I'm with you. I think they get it together. First playoff appearance since 2013. Uh, Hunter Henry's back. Uh, Derwin James led the team with 105 tackles. Their defense is solid. I would take the eight and a half and go over. Now, let's uh, let's go over our NFL futures. I made a hundred of these, brother. Brian, you had a stat with the uh, what'd you say with the over under for player futures for NFL? Yeah, it's funny. We did this. You know, we keep looking at this. We keep saying, let's just play every under. Let's play every under. I looked at the Bavada props for like hundreds. Uh, there was probably three or four hundred. Uh, Bavada player props and roughly 63% of them went under again this year. I think last year was like mm. 70%. This year is 63%. So it keeps going under. That's you play awesome. every one of them. I mean, most of them are due to injuries, but I mean, you can expect that to happen. But that's what you have to figure. You have to figure there are injuries. So like I had uh, Bosa under, what was it? I had him under some kind, some crazy number of sacks. I think, Brian, I think this bit you because you you kind of did the same thing, but it didn't work out. I had Bosa under 11 sacks. Brian, what did you have? I think you had Watt under 16. <laughs> yeah, this, so this screwed me too. So I had Watt under 12 and a half sacks. It actually started at 14 and a half sacks. And even if I got that, it still would have went over. I was just banging, mm-hmm. you know, again, I was banging on uh, Watt either getting injured or just not performing, you know, up to his normal standards. He started off the season a little slow, but he was right back in. Uh, his usual form, which was, I was surprised. I mean, kudos to him, but uh, I lost on that yeah. one. Yeah, but you had over Lamar Jackson starts, over a half. So if he started one game, that was a win, right? Uh, you the, the bad one, I think, the 13 and a half losses by any team, looking good for a while. That looked great through like week 11. Uh, the Raiders beating the Cardinals really screwed me, I think, on that one. Uh, but then I also had the under 22 interceptions and, uh, which was easy because big Ben had uh, the most at 16. Although if Darnold played every game, maybe he would have got close to, you know, 20, 21, but that was easy. Right. And you had, it looked good for all of us, girly MVP at 30 to one. And then I don't know what happened. He stopped. He he just stopped short of the end zone uh, one too many times. And I I think everything went south after that, including his, his health. Right. Exactly. So once that happened, then it was over uh, probably a week after that. You could have gotten Gurley at like 30 or 40 to one to uh, to win it. So uh, bad job by me. I I put the jinx on that one for Darren. All right. Now you still have uh, Barkley outstanding for offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, Barkley for rookie of the year at six to one. Harry and I both have that one. 
but I was debating hedging it the other day with Mayfield. Didn't do it. Uh, I think it's going to be really close. I mean, they probably should be co-rookie of the years. I mean, Barkley, I think, deserves it a little bit more just for the full season he had. But, I mean, I can't argue with Mayfield. I mean, breaking the most touchdown uh, record for, for a rookie. And he, he was great. So, But I, I think co-rookie of the year would be uh, – would be a good thing. That's fine. Harry, you take that. You're a Giants fan. You show, you passed on Barkley with the 10th and 11th pick in our fantasy draft, but you you became a Barkley fan. He he broke you down eventually. I think that's the only the only uh, future you bet like real money on, right? Yeah, I I had the uh, like I said when me and Brian bet it, we added it six to one, and it was weird too, like because uh, the week before he was a three to one, and he had a really good game, and then went to six to one. Had to do something. I got some. I got a crazy parlay involved in that, and uh, so that's the last thing I really sort of need. Considering in the parlay, I need the Lightning and the Maple Leafs both to make the playoffs, which is going to happen. Tell everyone what that stupid parlay is: Lightning, Maple Leafs to make the playoffs, Barkley rookie. The, of the parlay year. gets the parlay gets back. Uh, I think around uh, twelve hundred bucks, and it's Barkley at six to one to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. The Lightning at minus eight hundred to make the playoffs. By the way, they're like thirty-one and seven. Uh, the Maple Leafs to make the playoffs. They're uh, at minus eight hundred. They're right there too. And then uh, that was the week I gave out Florida to beat LSU. That was my uh, best bet on the podcast, and I had that in a parlay plus the two and a half. And also I went with Brian that week, uh, taking um, Miami Florida plus the no Florida State plus fourteen and a half against Miami Florida as his best bet. And so I jumped on that too, and that covered easy too. So that all those combined. Gets me back like twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. So, so I got to By the way, when do, when do they vote? When do they vote on that? When is the official? When is it? How long do I have to wait? Do you know? Well, when they vote on it, and how long you have to wait? I, I think like MVP is announced. Do they do those all at once now? And I think it's a day before the Super Bowl when MVP is announced. So is it the same thing, or maybe the same? Mm. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's a, uh, I don't know if it's a day before. It's like the week leading up to it. I don't know if they spread it out, right. but it, it's well, I, just hope, I just hope they, the, the the voters account that he played in uh, Barkley played in every game. He had like thirty more uh, broken tackles than anybody else, and he had zero fumbles. Come on, and the stat and the yeah, stats that he great. broke are ridiculous. The two thousand combined scrimmage yards, the ninety one catches as a, a for a rookie running back, also a record. I don't know. Right. I know. Uh, listen, I hate praising any Giants. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm complimenting you at the same time. So I would not want to do it. But I, I, we all have Barkley for rookie of the year. I think it's a good case. And yeah, the voters, you're, you're allowed to use stats. I understand what Baker Mayfield did for the Browns and the organization. And people were excited about them. And, and you know, the Browns in the AFC North in the future and everything. It's 27 touchdowns. It's great. I think that's a rookie record right up there for rookies. Um, but what would you say, Harry? Six 50-plus-yard touchdowns, two, uh, two runs. Oh, Which okay. is still, right. still the next person. Next closest was, I think, uh, I think Nick Chubb with three. Yeah, I mean, that's not the, the greatest stat. But, you know, 2,000 scrimmage yards. You can't say I argue with Clay Travis about this every week. You, can't, you said you should have your vote taken away if you don't go with Baker. I think it's very close, and I wouldn't mind uh, co-offensive rookie of the years. Uh, Parley kid, what did you have as uh, futures? I'm trying to look here to see what you. Well, so I think the the most uh, devastating one I had was uh, Cam Newton over 3,400 yards passing, mm-hmm. and uh, he pulled up with uh, five yards short uh, this year. Oh man! So 
Yeah, he's nice. Not, Tate, uh, Tate you, you know, should apologize on his behalf. Well, Tate should apologize. It, I actually, <laughs> Tate, I said uh, when we did the podcast when I when I picked this that Tate would have to admit if he did not reach that number, he was not a good quarterback. Oh my but god! No, really? have, let's face it. Tate, there is a disclaimer there because he did get hurt, and this is exactly what Brian is talking about with really taking the unders, which are not really fun to root for. Really, when you take an under, it's no. certainly not as much fun to to root for the under as it is for the over. But this is a perfect example of, uh, you know, really came limping to the end. Uh, and then he just, you know, obviously not playing the last uh, game or so. Um, was it last two So what did you say? It was 34? You say it was 3,400 yards? 3,399. He had to get, he has 3,399 and a half. When, when they do, what does he average, Tate? He probably averages like 230, I think they probably account for him playing 15 games, right? When they set that over under? Yeah, exactly. And I, mean, I think he had been over, I mean, he'd been over that number every year, but one year, right? I think when we were looking at the start of the year. Exactly. The numbers seem, you know, to Pretty me, low. particularly low. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, if he doesn't get hurt and he's healthy, he obviously is approaching 4,000 yards, I'm guessing, this year. So. Mm-hmm. Right. What are you going to do with that right, one? But I understand what the parlay kid's saying, Tate. We have enough problems on our own. But when he asks for your endorsement, you're like, yeah, that's a good bet. You know, we don't need to <laughs> steering us into a 10-car collision. It felt good at 6-2. and two. <laughs> Didn't feel good at the end of the year. I know. Parlay kid, you also, in real life, you had uh, – this is interesting. It, it, it didn't work out. You had Big Ben to win MVP. That's not going to happen. Uh, first of all, actually, you had no ties in the NFL. That was a funny one for a while. That, that went – that went down the first week, and then you could have bet it the second week, and it went down again. You know, so right from the beginning, I knew I had Rivers most yards and Big Ben MVP, and if I had just reversed that, right? That's exactly what I was just going to say. In, in years past, you've had Ben for most yards, and this year you had Rivers at 15-1. to right? So, Exactly right. Exactly. I've had had Big Ben uh, for probably several years as most yards. And uh, this year I switched it up with uh, Rivers, and uh, it cost me, uh, of course. Right. All right. Well, you still have uh, Barkley outstanding for MVP. You have um, Mahomes. Uh, I'm sorry, Barkley outstanding rookie of the year. Right. And uh, and I do have Barkley on a parlay uh, for rookie of the year, but I did not get the same odds that you guys got. Not not right. close to those. Yeah. I'm going to brag a little here because it rarely, rarely, rarely ever gets to happen. But I did very well on my uh, futures. The ones I bet, I'm not sure the ones I gave out on the podcast, but I'm going to read the ones I bet because I know how to settle this. Uh, first of all, I had all division winners to have over eight and a half wins. And Paulie Kid, that was looking really sketchy when every NFC East team was three and four or worse, right? Week seven or something like that. But somehow that came through. And, and as you pointed out, Paulie Kid, not only was the NFC East not the laughingstock, Two playoff teams this year. Uh, uh, yep. Yes, sir. Two playoff teams. Who would have yeah. thought uh, about uh, halfway through the season that they'd have two playoff teams uh, from the NFC East? Good job, NFC Well, two, and, 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 and neither of them were the Redskins, who were looking like they were definitely going to be one of them if they were going to be two, right? At seven and five, whatever they were. Uh, and and Giant fans with- like Harry were still hanging on hope when they were like five and eight that they'd make the playoffs. So He still thinks they chance. were alive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had the Bengals, Vikings, and Falcons all to make the playoffs. That wasn't good. Although the Bengals looked good for a minute. The Vikings, of course, blew it week 17. Falcons, I don't know what the hell happened. Right now. Rams and Pats to win the division. Okay, so what? But I put them together. I have Aaron Donald to win uh, Defensive Player of the Year at 10-1. to 1. 
That's uh, very excited about that. I bet Hugh and Dirk both to be first coach fired. Um, it probably should have happened at the same time, but Hugh got the oh, Hugh, Hugh beat him by about uh, eight weeks. And so I get paid on that. I think that was like plus 375. And then Brother Bry, I kind of try to do this. I did this with the baseball players, and it worked out with like Pujols and Beltre and some of these other guys. And uh, uh, who was it? Chris. Uh, I'm trying to think. I had a lot of older baseball players under their home run totals, under their RBI totals. I did this again with some of these um, NFL players. Amendola under 650 yards. He had 575. I can't even believe that was close. Yeah, I had a few others. And McCaffrey was probably my best. Over eight. Um, rushing, receiving, or return touchdowns. I think he had 13. He had like six and seven uh, somewhere in there. So, uh, yeah, did well there. Uh, I can't believe it. It'll never happen again. But I actually won betting some futures. And we're about to do our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino, which each week the degenerate trifecta and I set sail, tackling fake gambling propositions related to sports and pop culture events. Oh, in honor of celebrating New Year's Eve, Tate, you seem to have the best New Year's Eve. Where were you? You you at a concert? Uh yeah, I was in San Francisco at uh yeah at a show at the Midway was the name of it. It's like a uh, nice little venue, good time, Little Dragon, great band. So that was nice. Yeah, nice. All right, all right. And you made it back <laughs> alive. And so yeah, but barely. And and celebrating New Year's Eve. Let's discuss what was the best, most creative end zone celebration in 2018. Now here's. Here's what the uh, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino set the odds at. Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett's imitating Ryan Ventura baseball beaning five to two odds when uh, Nolan Ryan hit Robin Ventura. Ventura charged him out and got his ass kicked. That was five to two odds. Isaiah Crowell using the football as toilet paper, five to one odds. Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard, rock, paper, scissors, seven to one odds. Uh, Marquise Goodwin for the Niners uh, performing the long job jump eight to one odds or the field at nine to two odds harry what are you going to say you're going with your boys beckham and sterling shepherd no you know what uh the vikings played at home against green bay this year i'm going to take the field there at nine to two in that game because vikings had a couple nice celebrations over the past couple of years i'm going to take this one where uh dalvin cook hadn't even reached the end zone yet when he's calling and signaling his teammates to get down to the end zone so they can do the limbo Uh, two jumbo linemen grabbed Adam Thielen looked like a, a pencil compared to those guys to be the stick. Then Cook, uh, Stefan Diggs, and others did the limbo through. Uh, you know, I guess the Vikings can say uh, after a very disappointing season that at least they have that memory versus their rival. Yes, that's true. Uh, yeah, and Beckham and Sterling Sharp are still playing rock, paper, scissors. All right, I don't love the team celebrations as much. I kind of like the individual ones. But uh, Paul, I can't, which one did you go yeah, that's why, Si. I do like the individual uh, celebrations. I think these these team celebrations are getting kind of silly, especially after like an interception and the whole group goes and they do that pose thing. Like now, every team is doing it. It's not it's not original. It's actually rather lame. But so you know, I've been known to bust out some good dance moves on the uh, on the dance floor. Sure. As is Harry. Harry's a particularly pretty pretty light on his feet as well. So I think I'm pretty qualified to pick a winner here. And I'm going to take the field here, Sal, and I'm going to go with Trey Quinn from the Washington Redskins, who scored his first NFL touchdown against Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And what did he break out? The scarn, the dance from the Michael Scott movie, Threat Level Midnight. This even drew applause from Steve Carell himself. And so let's face it, there's no doubt 
there's no doubt that tra- that Tate breaks out this move in those uh, North Carolina nightclubs every so often. Oh. Well, now, there's no I doubt. Know, right. I don't know how many North Carolina <laughs> nightclubs there are. <laughs> how many are there, Tate? You're, you're going to open the first one. Uh, so take Trey right. Quinn and the field at nine to two. That was the that was the best of the year. He did that by himself. It was fantastic. All right, look up Trey Quinn on uh, YouTube. You'll find that, um, uh, brother Bry. Which one are you going with? Yeah, that's a good one. Also, the, these defensive celebrations. Darren hates them, or the parlay kid hates them so much. Every time we watch a game, Darren make sure he tells everybody how much he hates these defensive celebrations. It's great though. But uh, I'm gonna go with uh, what's the over under Brian? How many times he told you over the year? Uh, probably like fifteen. Harry, you you said you don't like them either, and then you ended up picking a a, a group celebration. That was a good one. Thielen looked like a pencil compared to those guys. In the I know. We heard them. All right, brother, brother. I liked it. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Lockett and Baldwin. These guys usually have the best celebrations, but I'll do the uh, recreating the uh, Ryan Ventura fight. I'm not really sure it was the Ryan Ventura fight but that they were recreating, but anytime you can make something fun out of baseball, I think to me you win. So uh, good job by those guys. Yeah, I'm with you. I kind of like the cross-sport thing, and that's why I'm going also with the field with Amari Cooper against the Redskins, I believe. Um, he was uh, reenacting the Markel Fultz free, Markel Fultz's free throw woes. So I'm going with the field there. I think it would have been a lot better if he did it against the Eagles, like a Philly thing kind of thing. But the fact that that video was viral that week and he did it, and it was kind of simple, and he didn't involve uh, 75 other players, I kind of like that at 9-2. to two. Tate, do you have a particular favorite? Yeah, I got one uh, when the Seahawks, uh, this is when they played the Raiders. I think it was like mid-October. They did Drumline, one of my favorite movies, and they, they got the whole offensive mm-hmm. line and uh, and all of them to do the Drumline. So that was my favorite of the year. There you go. Harry, now Shout if the Nick Giants Man. did your uh, – what, what's that What's that terrible movie that you like that you we, you played the soundtrack to over and over? Greatest Showman on Earth, right? Yeah, The Greatest Showman. <laughs> the Greatest Showman. you got to get the Giants to do that. Forget it. You, you'd lose your <laughs> mind, right? I don't think I don't think we'd ever see you again. All right, that's another week. Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. All right, let's fast forward to Monday night, the championship game. Thank God these bowl games are done. Brother Brian, I know you think you're you're glad they're done. That Ohio State rip job, no way they shouldn't have covered. I swear to God, it, it felt like Washington was playing just to cover the way they punted down two scores with four minutes left. You know they wanted to just lose this game by four or five. Brian, let's let's feel your pain a little on that game. Uh, th- th- those games, I mean, I was getting killed. I mean, geez, so many games I was getting killed on. I first started with the Wake Forest Memphis game. I had the over 73. That was uh, 54, I think, 52 at, with uh, like 25 minutes in or 24 minutes in, and that goes under. A bunch of bullshit. Um, I had... Alabama to cover up 28 nothing that loses um even though it seemed like Bama could score whenever they wanted to I had Ohio State uh giving five and a half uh not the five um up 28 to three the the thing that if there's ever a game that somebody was going to say was fixed though that had so many weird things that happened. Like you said, the punt that Chris, Chris Pearson called the timeout to punt. But the thing that, that bothered me the most was Urban Meyer. They punt from the 50. The kid kicks it out of bounds at the 30-yard line, right? 
There's a running into the kicker. So he can kick it again, waste some more clock, kick it inside the 20, inside the 10. No, you know what? We'll just we'll decline that penalty. You just have the ball at the 30. I don't care anymore. Whatever. And then I, yeah. I, I was so pissed at that. And, uh, you know, they end up coming down the field and scoring. It was, that, that was a, a bad beat. But I will say because of those bad beats, I got so angry at this. I bet very heavily <laughs> on Texas last night. Uh, which by, but, which almost always works. We recommend that to anybody. If you're really pissed off about a game and there's another one coming up within a half hour, just go gigantic on that one. I know. Go really <laughs> big. Uh, yeah, it never really never works out. But at least uh, Texas uh, – I mean, that wasn't, uh, I didn't even have to sweat that one out at all. Yeah, that was nice. You had Texas plus 14, I think, right? You paid the minus 120. Yeah. Well, good job by you. Now we have Alabama minus six over Clemson's uh, third time. But no, what they've met, they play every year, these two teams. Uh, And the over under is 59 and a half. You know, like I've seen people say it. If you want to make a case, I don't know how you would do this, but I think the 18 playoff format took a hit this uh, bowl season. Because it really just seems like two teams are uh, interested in winning this title, both undefeated. Should absolutely be these two. Um, they w- both won. Alabama didn't cover last week. Oklahoma came back and uh, covered. Although, even though Bride, Bride, that was another bad one you were on. They were up twenty-eight nothing, right? Uh, well, yeah. Well, the Alabama, yeah, that's what I was saying. They were up twenty-eight nothing, didn't cover. I was also, uh, yeah. What else? I was on Notre Dame first half. Uh, the way that first quarter and halfway through the second looked, it looked like I was going to cover right? on that. And uh, Clemson got two late scores, so you know, I'm so, so glad these bowls are over. So glad. I know. One more. We'll be done by Monday. It's the first time this season Alabama is favored by single digits. Uh, previous low was twelve over Georgia. Um, this is uh, the fourth consecutive season, I was trying to say. Alabama won two of the previous three meetings. Clemson covered two of the three. How do you see it? Six points, 59 and a half, Brother Brian. Yeah, so I'm leaning Clemson plus six in this game, even though I, I actually, as of today, I saw six and a half against some places, which I didn't think hmm. I would see. But look, the underdog in the last five championships uh, is five and zero oh against the spread. The underdogs getting at least five and a half points are 10 and three against the spread in the last 13. Uh, like you can't look at last year's game at all between these two teams because they had no no passing threat at all with Bryant. Uh, Lawrence definitely brings a, a, a different uh, a different game with them, but uh, these teams are pretty much identical. So I think getting six here uh, to me that that seems the way to go here. I, I don't necessarily trust Alabama's defense as much as I normally would. Uh, I think Clemson, again, they're a great second-quarter team, great second-half team, it seems like. I feel like they'll put it together and at least put a lot of pressure on Alabama, score a lot of points. Uh, but I think getting six here is the play. I, I'd, I'd be worried, hoping Alabama wins this by a touchdown. All right, Harry, which way are you going? You know what, I'm going to go over 59.5. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sold in the ACC in the, as, a, as a conference as a whole. A lot of people are down on it. Uh, if you take away Clemson's win and Syracuse's win uh, because uh, Greer didn't play for West Virginia, uh, in, in the other games, the ACC averaged giving up almost 30 points a game, and that's with a shutout in there with Virginia shutting out South Carolina. So I'm really down. I don't think the the, the defense is going to be there for Clemson. I think Alabama's going to be able to score. Um, I think uh, Clemson as well, well is, uh, I feel like they'll get opportunities and Travis Etienne will get his yards as well for Clemson, so he'll do something on offense. He had 100 yards rushing and score, and Travis Lawrence looked flawless. 
against the Irish as well, as Brian was saying. Um, once Alabama was up 20 to nothing, they just put it on uh, cruise control, basically. So Tua showed us how, how he should have probably won the Heisman by yep. going 24-27, four scores. Devontae Smith uh, uh, was huge for uh, Alabama going for a season high in catches and yards in the game. And I didn't like how the tide let Oklahoma keep scoring down the stretch. Like they weren't even, they kept picking on the cornerback for uh, Alabama and, uh, or for, uh, yeah, for, uh, for Alabama. And, and Alabama didn't do anything to fix that. So I think there might be a few big plays that get points on the board quick in this, in this game. I don't love it, but I still see this thing landing around 65 points. I like the over at 59 and a half. All right, Paula Kid, I think you agree. You, you, Agree with uh, Harry that Tua should have been the Heisman Trophy. I know you like to wait until these bowl games are over until they. Survive. Yeah, so I I don't understand why we we have to vote on the Heisman uh, when they do vote on it. Um, I understand like in the uh, professional leagues, it's it's a regular season vote. I don't know if any, that's ever really been established um, uh, in college. Uh, you know, it's the best player for the for the season, and uh, I think we vote. The, the vote is uh, not we, but. The voting uh, takes place too early. I think they should let the season play out. I think, obviously, after that game, uh, tip of the cap to Murray again. He played he played a pretty decent game, down 28 nothing when maybe Alabama was a little bit of a prevent type of defense. But Tua showed why he was uh, the Heisman or should have been the Heisman winner this year. I feel bad for the guy. Uh, and that being said, Sal, I'm actually going to go against Harry uh, with this pick. Uh, and I'm going to be taking the under in this Alabama-Clemson game. Uh, last year, Sal, when they met in the semifinal game, Alabama 24, Clemson 6, well under. I think these teams know each other very, very well. Uh, they know what they do. They have each other well scouted. Uh, I know there's some offensive talent on both sides, but there's defensive talent on both sides. Uh, being that this game is being played in, San Francisco. Uh, I think the weather forecast is calling for a little bit chillier temperatures and some maybe some some light rain, which I think could affect uh, the offensive play a little bit here in this game. Uh, being that normally I think this game is played like indoors or in in some really nice nice conditions. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this time around. Uh, and um, uh, so I'm going to take the under here. So I think this is going to be uh, you know. Uh, 28-24 type of game, a 31-27 type of game. It, it's going to uh, approach that 60 number, but I think it, it stays under. I think it's going to stay under. All right. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I like it slightly under. Uh, obviously, Clemson 14-0. They won 12 of 14 games by 20-plus points. At the end, has been dynamite on the ground. 1570 rushing yards, 22 touchdowns. That's tied for first in the country. Defense allows 13 a game. That's second in the country. Um, Alabama, I, I like Tua. I like them as – you know, I'm, but the, I wonder if someone could look this up. When was the last time the three finalists or two finalists, one of them didn't play a bowl game? Because uh, that would, I guess, unfairly impact what we want to do here is to wait for the bowls to decide it. But um, Tua, 41 touchdown passes this year, set the Alabama record. Um, Damian Harris, 18, uh, 819 rushing yards. He's a little underrated, nine touchdowns this year. I like it. Look, I think they have the better quarterback. I think they have the better coach. I think they play with a chip on their shoulder, Bama. 
Uh, they'll make a big play in the fourth quarter. I think they win 33-23. It's interesting to see their odds as the year went on. September, they were plus 225 to win it all, and then they smoked all their opponents. In October, they were minus 125, and then right around November, it must have been 6 or 7-0. and 0, It was minus 200, minus 260, minus 240. That's what you can get them at. You can get them at minus 205. I like them to win. I like them to cover late. 33-23 final. But yeah, brother Bry, let's be done with these bowl games already, right? So we can lose on uh, NFL playoffs. All right, let's go. Let's go to Sharp Tank. You guys are going to give me your best bets. I'm going to pick one. I'm going to ride it. I'm going to bet it in real life. We're all going to make money. Let's start the year off right. But by the way, Tate, I should uh, mention. I should ask you, who do you like, Alabama or Clemson? Uh, I actually like Clemson in this game for whatever reason. I uh, last time they won, they were the two seed. I think Trevor Lawrence is uh, kind of a different animal for them to deal with. Uh, sort of the same way as Deshaun, but not as good as Deshaun. But I don't know. I I, uh, I have a weird feeling that Clemson is going to win that game. It's going a little bit like a little back and forth kind of affair. And I don't know. Alabama seemed like they were pretty content with uh, how they were playing after that Oklahoma game. And I don't know. I like Clemson for whatever reason. I think their defense is better than Alabama's defense. And at a Tua or Trevor Lawrence, do you see either of these two being the next Cam Newton? I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> that would actually matter. Yeah, that would make some more sense. All right, now, Sharp Tank, as I promised. You guys give me a best bet. I'm going to pick one. I'm going to ride it. Let's start with you, Harry. I know you're excited about this. All right, I am going to go with the <laughs> Seattle-Dallas game under 43.5 points. Look, the last six times these two teams have met, the under is won five times with an average combined score of 36. In their matchup earlier this year, won by Seattle, neither quarterback had 200 yards passing, and Dak and Zeke combined for three turnovers. Uh, Chris Carson and Zeke combined in that game for 48 carries, and I see a lot of that happening. Again, as both teams will try to establish some sort of run, rushing game and control the uh, line of scrimmage and the field position. And both teams versus the other NFC East foes that they faced this year not including division games. Both only allowed 18 points per game. That equals 36. My math is correct. So under 43.5 gives you a touchdown to spare, under 43.5 in the Seattle-Dallas game. All right. Uh, Brother Bry, what's your best bet? All right. So not a huge slate. We talked about a bunch of them, but I'm going to go with North Dakota State and the FCS championship minus 14 against Eastern Washington. Look, North Dakota State has won the last 10 games by double digits. Their three playoff games, they won by an average of 33 points, and they easily covered some of those games against Colgate and South Dakota State. I was on the wrong side one time, on the right side the other time. But look, this team could easily beat a lot of really good FBS teams. They've been labeled one of the best FCS teams of all time. Their defense is great. Their QB, Easton Stick, is great. Tons of experience on this team. I think this game is going to look like uh, probably like – I feel like North Dakota State in this type of game always gets to 35, 42 points. So I think it's going to be like 35, 14, 42, 21. But I, I feel comfortable with that minus – laying that minus 14 in this game. All right. Not, not – necessarily the college game we're looking for or the pro playoffs, but that's good. North Dakota State 14 and a half. Parlay kid, what's your best bet? Well, so I'm not going to have to elaborate too much on this because it's the two games we talked about before. We're taking the, uh, I'm going to take a two-team parlay here on the money line. It's a three-to-one parlay, close to a three-to-one uh, parlay. Taking the Chargers at plus 110 to win the game outright over the Ravens and taking the Cowboys uh, outright at minus uh, 115 
uh, to beat Seattle. I think those games will be close, but I think those two games are the winners, as we detailed before. All right. Yeah, we did talk about all these. Um, Seattle under 43 and a half. I don't know, Harry. I, I said earlier, I, I think this could be a little more high-scoring, 27-23 kind of game. I think the Cowboys come out early. Like gangbusters, Russell, muscle, hustle, and bustle. It's going to have to make a comeback. It's going to be fourth-quarter heroics, or he falls short. I think it's around 27-23. I'm not going to go with you. Parley kid. have we ever both bet the Cowboys and – one with the Cowboys and they advance in the playoffs. I don't know. I just feel like if you're on it, I, mean, well, I don't know. When when was the, maybe uh, back in 1992, possibly? Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> Steve Berline. I don't know. What, I don't know what it could have been. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on yours. I'm gonna go, brother Bry. I'll go 14 and a half. I'll probably buy a half point if you don't mind. Will that screw anything up for you if I buy a half point? Oh, you want 13 and a half then, right? Oh, was it 14? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's minus fourteen. So there you go. I'm gonna. I will buy it down to thirteen and a half. That's a lot of fun uh, rooting for that team. They win the uh, championship there. Um, all right. Oh, by the way, we're doing a contest. We're just the four of us. We did this last year, right? What did we do? We did the first touchdown scored pool, right? Parlay kid. How did it go? It's three hundred fake dollars, right? Three hundred fake dollars. We pick. Uh, we pick one person from each game. From mm-hmm. each player came to score the first touchdown, you could only use a player once. So uh, if the team right. advances, you can't come back and use them. And uh, then uh, we see how many fake dollars we end up with. Uh, and obviously, but the minimum, I think we had to bet minimum was, uh, Brian might remember. That we had a minimum. It was $15. I think it was yeah, it was like 10 or 15 on each. 10 or 15 a game. And then, the, no, but the best part is everybody pays out the winner what they won, right? Right, so if Did you, you hit that? like a so, fifty to if if yeah, if you hit a fifty to one guy right away and for twenty bucks, and all of a sudden you're plus a thousand, the three other guys owe you three hundred thirty-three bucks. There you go. I, I won this last year. I don't know. I think I had two, maybe three guys actually score the first touchdown. I think I picked it right. What I had on this year, last year, I, I zero, zero. I didn't get one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's a pain in the ass. I mean, you might want to save your best players for the Super Bowl, but uh, yeah, three hundred fake dollars spread out over all the games all right before uh we say goodbye uh boy 2019 off to a shitty start uh we lost uh, a few good men here uh mean gene oakland i'm not going to pretend to know him wrestling announcer uh definitely an important part of the fabric of uh, 80s wrestling um you know he was so great to uh, his face to pretend pretending to be upset when he did interview those heels <laughs> the bad guys was uh untoppable it really was and and to this day i still if i see an obese man uh, in an elevator or walking towards me um even though i'm getting close to that i will still say you gotta be kidding me jesse in a classic mean gene oakland voice and um just hoping that they don't recognize that that's what he used to say when uh giant men would come at him so mean gene we're gonna miss you uh someone that you guys almost definitely don't know ernie barry my friend uh tony barbieri's father uh, my uncle frank's Best friend, my father's good friend. Uh, yeah, he passed. One of three uh, accordion players left in the world, and uh, <laughs> and now he's playing for the heavens. Uh, we love you, Tony. We love you, Ernie. And Super Dave Osborne. Ah, uh, this morning, Super Dave passed. Um, yeah, big big uh, part of this podcast. You know, I became friendly with him. He was on Carson and Letterman. He would come on. He was on Jimmy Kimmel Live. He actually did a thing on the Man Show, but he would come on. And he would do jokes like he would read like 
Polish jokes or something, to have a book of Polish jokes. And he'd always do a thing. He's like, Cleto, our band leader, gave me this book of Polish jokes. And I'm not, I will not tell these jokes or just any kind of off-color jokes. And the audience like, no, no, tell the joke. And he would look, he would stare the audience down and he would tell these terrible jokes. And even if he didn't say anything, he was the funniest guy in the world. You would just look at him. And, uh, you know, I became friends with him. I was at his house in Palm Springs and uh, my family went there. We had lunches and dinners there. And uh, his wife, Roberta, was great. He had these two giant Rottweilers and then they died and he replaced them with two other giant Rottweilers. I remember him chasing my four-year-old around uh, and he was showing us his house. He lived right on the golf course. He was so proud of this house. And he would also show us his appearances on uh, Johnny Carson. He pumped the VHS in and he'd play for us the same thing that I just described. But uh, I remember once we were around his house and he's holding a coffee and my four-year-old Harrison runs into him because he's being chased by one of these giant dogs and the coffee spills all over Super Dave's shirt. And he looks at my four-year-old who knows he's in trouble and he says, everything was fine until you got here. And we still say this to this day to my four-year-old. He was a real character with his deadpan. Uh, He was on my podcast. Uh, Listen to that, Tate. I think we're redoing it. We're reposting it, right? Yeah, we just put up, uh, it's the hour that we had with Super Dave when it starts with you and Bill. So we just put that up just as a uh, Super Dave tribute. So that just went live too. So that's on the feed. Yeah, listen for that because it's a great one. His belly laughs um, all throughout. He came on with me and Simmons. And then like uh, after that podcast, he would call me. He's like, I don't know what's going on, but I have gotten such great feedback from that podcast, he'd leave like a, a two minute message. Like, the four people that listen to your podcast, they will not leave me alone. Constantly knocking on my door. I think there's three. There might be four. I don't know. One of them could be a twin. He looks the same, but I can't believe how big of fans these four guys that look the only four people. And he would shit on my podcast over and over. And even I have to say like two weeks ago, he called me and he was in poor health. And he said to me, he said, uh, he said, he, I answered the phone. Uh, hello. He's like, I was the best guest on your podcast ever. And I said, is this Lenny Dykstra? And he went crazy on me. He flipped out. <laughs> um, look online. He was Marty Funkhauser in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Look up tells Je- Marty Funkhauser, Funkhauser tells Jerry a joke. F-U-N-K-H-O-U-S-E-R. Um, yeah, so that that's a great thing. He, he really made us laugh. It was a great podcast. Laugh. One of one of the best podcasts I ever did was with him, and uh, he was a true friend. The other, the second best was when Harry explained hippity dippity to us. So, but um, yeah, they're one and two, right there. But uh, hey, get better, 2019. All these legends kicking off. We're gonna have to gamble to uh, heal our wounds. Um, and that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds. Hey, locking in Monday through Friday, Fox Sports. 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Watch Jimmy Kimmel Live 11.35 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that for the Degenerate Trifecta and Master Tate Frazier. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Now-